Homebrew Magic Podcast. My name is Nelson, and with me tonight, we've got half of my usual dynamic duo. Teej is here. How are you doing, Teej? What up, hive mind? <laughs> I'm doing great, Nelson. How are you doing? Awesome. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Tonight, it's just the two of us because Schnell is actually working on relocating his store. He's moving, what, like two doors over? Something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, he's got a nice, uh, a, a new, bigger place that's for, only just a couple doors down. Yeah, yeah. So they're moving in uh, over the next few nights. So you've got me and Tej, and actually we're going to do something a little different this week. So a few weeks back, actually it might even be a few months back now, I don't remember exactly, uh, we did a color spotlight episode focused all on black. So because of the situation of not having all three of us together, we thought this would be a good week to do another color spotlight. So tonight we're going to talk about blue, and you're going to hear Tej and I kind of go back and forth, and we're going to alternate as we go through our lists. But before we dive into that color spotlight on blue, well, let's give a recap of, like we always do. Uh, what have you What have you been up to lately in, in Magic? I've been drafting a lot. Uh, War of the Spark, hooray! Are you doing that paper, arena, both? Both. Awesome. Both. Um, I can't get away from a blue, black, a mass. I can't do it. I saw you uh, You won again at it, it, <laughs> the game dealer. Well, about that. <laughs> well, you had more packs than anyone in your hand. <laughs> uh, oh, no, actually, that was a bad picture. Oh. Um, I came in third of four people. Schnell came in first, but he won't award himself ah, prizes because yes, right. he's playing for the store. Right. So the second place guy got first place prize, and I got second place prize. So who so who won that one? I didn't. Uh, Schnell did actually. Oh yeah, that's right. You just said that, didn't you? Schnell wow. took home that draft. He played. I'm blanking now. White was one of his colors. Hmm. Uh, white something. I don't remember off the top of my head what the other one was. I ran blue black as is my uh my my <laughs> mo for this set. Did you and pull anything fun? No, I didn't. Ah, that sucks. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to chalk this loss up to the fact that it was a four player draft, and those are kind of terrible in and of themselves. That's a really small number. It is, yeah, it is. You don't uh, not as many packs get open, so you don't see as many of the commons as you would imagine that you would see. So it's weird. I don't like four man drafts, but I do like to draft and and whatnot. So I I went anyway. But yeah, uh, so I've been doing a lot of drafting, um, and other than that, I am presently, while we are recording, sleeving up my almost completed Oathbreaker deck. Oh, awesome! So did you did you go with what we you told us you were going to go with? Uh, that depends. Was I telling you about uh, Soren, Lord of Innistrad, Aristocrats? You sure were. Then yes. So what did you decide on for his? Oathbreaker spell, or his signature went, spell, I should say. I went Sorin, Lord of uh, Innistrad, and then I did end up going with uh, Return to the Ranks. I like that, especially for an Aristocrats which, deck. Yeah, which... And uh, it's cost-effective. Let me find it here real quick, just so I can read it for those listening at home. It's going forever. Oh, there it is. Uh, return to the Ranks is uh, two white and X for sorcery. Return X target creature cards with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, but it also has Convoke. So I can tap creatures to help me pay for the spell. So the idea is this is an aristocrat's list. Um, I'm going to make a lot of really cheap creatures. I'm going to make a lot of tokens when these things die. I can tap the creatures to help me bring back cards I just put in the graveyard. 
they can even uh, uh, tap to mitigate that commander tax, uh, which was honestly the biggest lure for that spell. Uh, I thought that was a really cool, really cool idea when you told us that. Uh, just the fact, yeah. you know, that's a really good way to utilize. It's a really good way to utilize your board state in yeah. an aristocrats deck, which gives you it lets you go wide for cheap really quick, and then you know that, like you said, then that that commander tax or that oathbreaker tax really doesn't hurt you as bad as it might otherwise. Exactly. So uh, Schnell had all the cards I needed except three of them, so I went home and ordered those three online. They should be coming within the next couple of days here, and I'm excited to sit down and give this format a shot. Uh, it seems a lot of fun, and I've been hearing a lot of really good things about it. Have you seen guys at the store uh, playing any Oathbreaker? Because I know Schnell was trying to get it to catch on a little bit over there. Yes, and that's uh, that's the reason why I decided that I was going to jump in on it because people at the store have been playing it quite a bit. Awesome. So yeah, you know, one of us, one of us. <laughs> That's cool. I'm, I I, I want to know how that deck plays because I thought that was a really cool idea that you had. So yeah. I need to sit down and, and build one myself. I haven't really, I haven't really done that. I've been doing more inventory as far as my cards are concerned. I've been trying to go through and organize all my War of the Spark stuff and I'm uh I'm type A like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I get distracted easily. <laughs> Much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> right. I'm supposed to be finishing my uh the the deck I'm building for my wife, but I decided to put that on hold to do this instead cuz I'm selfish. Is that still that gruel deck that you were telling us about? Yes, the Ruik Thar awesome. deck. Yeah. But you said she only really plays when you guys do Commander Christmas, right? Yes. Okay. So I mean, it's not urgent, but Yeah, you got a little bit of time. Yeah. How cool. about you? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been up to pretty much straight up arena. Actually, we were kind of talking about this earlier today uh, as I was kind of lamenting the fact that I don't get to play as much paper magic as I would like to. But I'm hoping, uh, you know, I, I told you and Chanel, I uh, ended up taking a, accepting a new job, which is actually about uh, 20, 25 minutes closer to you guys. So I'm hoping that with being closer, I can make it up more often. Uh, and actually my new job, I won't be on call 24 seven for a month, you know, a month block at a time, like I have been where I currently work. So I'm hoping that being closer and having more free time allows me to get more paper magic in, whether that's, you know, F and M's or drafting on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, you know, whatever I can do, because I, I like hanging out with you guys and I like playing paper magic, which again, I don't get to do a whole ton. So I've been spending a lot of my time in arena and I decided, so my favorite time in arena is when constructed events are open because they're only 500 gold to play and you know you get three losses before you're eliminated so i like to look at that as a fun time to kind of do some deck testing and win mm -hmm. prizes from it more so than just like you know 50 coins or a card here and there you know you kind of get a little bit more bang for your buck if you can win so i've been doing that uh this weekend uh in our in our group chat that we have here for the podcast i was Again, lamenting the fact that it feels like the only thing you see is mono red. <laughs> I played, I was playing, I don't remember which deck it was. I think I was playing a Simic Stompy build uh, that I had. And the first three games were all mono red. And the second, or sorry, the fourth game was black and red. So <laughs> it's, it's, I get it. I, it's, it's a, it's a fast deck. And if you're not, it, you know, 
it, it's it's fun to complain about because everybody plays it all the time and it's a it's a fun and quick way to win if you're the one playing it but if you're playing against it and all you see is mono red it's really easy to lament it and complain about it and get salty about it and i did uh in yeah, our chat <laughs> it's just unfortunately i am one of those mono red players i i have one <laughs> i have one and i play it every once in a while it's just I, I just wish there was some way in their matchmaking algorithm where when you play a certain deck a certain amount of times, it kind of kicks it to the back of that matchup queue. You know, okay. I, I'm not saying I never want to play Mono Red. And in, in that same vein, I should build decks that can beat Mono Red. You know, I get it. I'm not I'm not like mad at people for playing it. It's just it's such it's so popular because Red is Red is that good. Red is so strong. Right. With all of the spectacle cards and thing, you know, I mean, Chain Whirler still still in there, and uh, that Chandra f- from War of the Spark. I mean, when if you kill her, and she's sitting with five or six loyalty on her, you're gonna take five or six damage because you take damage every time a loyalty counter is removed from her. So, she, so good. she just she just makes what's already an insane color that much better. So. I get why people play her. You know, I'm not. I'm not complaining. It's just that's all you see. So, yeah. uh, like I said, I've been doing a lot of uh, constructed stuff. I haven't really had a chance to build anything new, but that's because I kind of burned through all my wild cards, and I'm trying to. I'm trying to rebuild my my stock right now because I I always like playing Grixis colors, and I'm working on. I'd really like a Grixis control deck with some of the new War of the Spark stuff. I have mm-hmm. a Liliana, and I have one. Nicol Bolas Dragon God. So I've kind of got the big Planeswalkers there. I don't think I need to run a ton of multiple copies of them. But I don't know that I have any Enter the God Eternals right now on Arena, which is actually kind of crazy. But, you know, a lot of the stuff... So, I mean, Thought Erasure, things like that, you know, I've got plenty of copies of. But some of the rares and mythics, and especially when it comes to dual lands, I haven't crafted a ton of them in... Grixis colors. So Dragon Skull Summits, Blood Crypts, things like that. You know, I need to I need to be able to build those. So just kind of kind of working towards that, but having a ton of fun in arena. I haven't this this season, if you want to call it that, I haven't really done much ranked constructed. It's been more just free play. Yeah. So I want to I know there's at this point, maybe two weeks, right, give or take a couple days left in the season. So I, I finished last season somewhere in the gold rank. So this season I started at silver. So I'd like to at least get back to gold before it ends if I can. But again, it's 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 trying to find... I haven't really adjusted a ton of my decks that I was playing with before. So is my abs and angels or my Sultai Explorer, you know, are they going to be good enough on ranked to get me back there again? Or has it shifted so much since I played with all the new cards? I mean, the the streamers that I watch are just, you know, the Super Friends decks that they're doing and things with Narset and the new Teferi and Bolas and Liliana and Tamio. And it's really fun to watch. But again, because I don't pump money into Arena, I don't have a ton of resources to have all these cards. Uh, but that's just me. I'd rather spend my money on, on paper magic than digital magic. So I agree. So, you know, you, you beggars can't be choosers. So I'm definitely not complaining, but that's kind of, kind of where I'm at. What I've been doing. That's, that's it. That's what we've been up to. So again, like we said before tonight, we're going to do a little color spotlight from blue throughout the history of magic. Now, you know, as you've heard on the show before, it can be a nostalgia factor that makes you pick it. It can be because, 
you really like the card for whatever reason, even if it sucks, or it could be a legitimately good card that you're like, hey, I really want to talk about this card. I think it's great. But before we get into what's on our list, I thought we'd do a little uh, rundown on just what blue is in Magic and kind of the way that it plays. So blue is kind of associated with intelligence, right? And taking control of your your opponent's cards. So some of the themes that you see, like I said, intelligence, reason, there's a lot of illusions, logic, knowledge, manipulation, things like that, right? How can you outwit or trick your opponent? And uh, you also see, especially with older stuff, uh, the elements that are associated with it, like air and water. So air elemental, water elemental, you know, things like that. Uh, the strengths and blues, you get a lot of card draw. You are constantly able to to draw cards or even taking control of something that your opponent controls. So I'm thinking, you know, mass manipulation for a more recent card, something like that. The, the creatures in blue tend to be a little bit weaker than those in other colors. However, they tend to be more evasive. So in blue, you're going to see a ton of flying, right? And that's something that you're not necessarily going to get in, in a bunch of, of other colors. I know what you're saying. I don't like the description that they're weaker, though. They're like, uh, they, yeah, maybe they that have, ma- that makes them sound kind of cruddy, doesn't it? Yeah, they have they have smaller power and toughness. Uh, but if you want to put this in, you know, RPG terms, blues are color of your mages. Right? There you so go. They're not going to be. Yeah, they're not your tanks, defense. right? They're not going to be frontline. It's not a green, it's not your worms in green, right? Right. Their abilities are going to be more powerful than the other colors. Than their physical power and toughness. Yeah, I like that. That's way better than I said it. So yeah. Smaller. Yeah, smaller. I I like that. Yeah, power and toughness are smaller. Smaller creatures. I like that. I like that a lot. Like going back to you, you're not weak, Nelson. You're just tiny. (laughs) I'm I'm just a short little guy. (laughs) <laughs> oh wait they weren't a part of our clothes shopping conversation <laughs> uh we're short and fat and dressing for <laughs> or buying dress clothes really makes you feel shorter and fatter when you're already short and fat so if any well, of you I was out there put that out there on the internet but there you go <laughs> well okay i'm short and fat i'm not gonna speak for teach i'm short and fat <laughs> i'm not as short but still fat <laughs> uh, it's true i'm really fucking short <laughs> um so, like I was saying before about kind of the uh, the intellect and things like that, and almost the the mystical and like Teach said, the mage aspect of blue. One of the one of the ways this really comes across flavor wise is that blue allows you to scry. So you can look at the top cards of your deck and then kind of manipulate it. Right? Do you want to keep it there? Do you want to put it on the bottom? So so blue is a color that allows you to scry much more frequently than other colors, which again plays into that whole, you know, kind of blue mage intellect aspect uh, and allows you to kind of manipulate your deck at will. And uh, one other thing that I found I thought that was interesting is uh, since blue magic revolves around advancement and technology, especially when you think about like Dovin and Kaladesh and some of the more recent blocks, Tezzeret and artifacts and things like that, it has the highest number of cards having beneficial interactions with artifacts. And you've seen that again really recently with the Kaladesh block and and things like that. And even, um, uh, what am I trying to say? More recently with how, you know, Tezzeret's appearances and, and things like that. As, As, yeah, I was just going to say that. Tezzeret, uh, Tezzeret uh, whatever the hell, Master of the Bridge or whatever. Yep. He has Affinity. He is the only card in yep. Standard with Affinity. Affinity. <laughs> uh, which is, which is a, which is a, uh, uh, an artifact-based mechanic. Uh, hasn't been in standard for a number of years. Uh, 
And I, I'm actually a really big fan of this one card having this mechanic. I derailed the conversation. I apologize. Please continue. No, I, I actually like that point you make, especially like flavor and story wise, because of what Tezzeret's doing for Bolas. You know, yeah. I mean, with the with the bridge and and everything, and the things that he, you know, um, God, what did they steal from Ixalan? Uh, the what's it called? The Immortal Sun. Thank you, the Immortal Sun. You know, things like that. Which oh, imagine that Immortal Sun's an artifact. So <laughs> it, you know, it's just pretty cool that that interaction and especially how it's topical with what's going on in the storyline in the game right now that we're kind of talking about blue and it's affinity, if you will, for yeah. artifacts. Uh, some of the things that are, uh, you know, whether you want to call it a, a weakness or a drawback, or maybe things that blue doesn't do quite as well as other colors. The first thing that pops to mind is the inability to directly destroy things that are already on the battlefield. So you might be able to bounce stuff, right? You know, I think of, um, Callous Dismissal, for example, right? Bounce a permanent back to somebody's hand, but you're not permanently removing it. Someone is getting a chance to cast it again. So if you're directing that at an opponent's creature, there's a chance it can come back. And if you don't have some sort of counter magic to counter it when it's being played again, well, then it's going to hit the battlefield again. Whereas in black, you know, there's direct, it it, it kills it, goes right to the graveyard, exiles it, you know, um, whatever. So... You know, and then the other thing is too, uh, blue can help you kind of negate and delay your opponent. But if you don't have a way to win later, you know, you, you have to, you have to play. If you're playing, playing control is a very specific way of playing magic, kind of like how playing red is a very specific way of playing magic. It's, it's direct damage to the face as quickly as possible before your opponent gets a chance to kind of stabilize and, and get any sort of a board state going. Whereas blue, instead of trying to do that damage, you're trying to delay, cancel, negate, whatever, you know, the spells that they're playing. So when you're, when you're playing, when you're playing blue, you're pushing for the long game. So if you can't adapt early enough to push it, then you're going to be, then you're going to be in trouble. So, those are those are kind of the things that I think about, uh, you know, when it comes to blue, as to you know, I don't want to say a drawback because blue's a lot of fun to play. I think it's probably the best color to splash with anything really. And drawbacks, drawbacks a fair thing to say. Everything has its drawbacks. Well, and that's how you balance the game. You know, you can't right. just make one color a god color. So, um, well, I, I also know that you, you know, you're a big blue player. You really enjoy blue. So, is there anything? else that you want to say that maybe i i missed or or maybe even just why you prefer blue or like blue i think we had this conversation already before when i uh very first got into magic um there was that stupid quiz online what magic color are you Uh, ah yes i took it and it told me it was blue which is why i decided that i liked blue and you drafted Um, all blue and i drafted all blue um (laughs) But as uh, you know, as you get better at the game and you learn the ins and outs of everything, and you 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 get down to the nitty gritty, my personal favorite aspect of blue is is card draw. Uh, I'm a big proponent in any deck, uh, except maybe limited, uh, because limited you don't have as many options. But but any can't deck win the game will, if you don't have cards to play. That's true. But any deck will benefit more from card draw. Uh, and my philosophy is uh, there are only uh, two things in the game of Magic that the rules say you can't do as often as you want, and that's play lands and draw cards. 
So in theory, if you can take advantage of drawing more cards than the rules allow or playing more lands than the rules allow, you're going to get farther ahead quicker. So uh, I always keep that in mind when I'm building mainly EDH. But yeah, so me personally, my, my favorite aspect of blue is just drawing cards. Uh, anything that, that allows me to draw more than one card by only spending one card is something I'm always going to take a second look at. Absolutely. I like that. Well, uh, let's jump into our list then. And so I've got one honorable mention. Did you add any or did you just stick with five? No, I stuck with five. I I actually called my list just a little bit because a couple of the things that I had on there I realized could be condensed into one card. So I'll talk about those when we get there. But no, today I only have the five. I went with one honorable mention just because it really gets the the nostalgia factor for me. So I've mentioned this before in our first episode and probably multiple times since then. When I started playing Magic, 4th Edition was the latest expansion released. So I bought a 4th Edition starter deck when I, when I started. It was one starter deck and one booster pack. And I remember I opened up a Time Elemental and the guy who was teaching me how to play told me, hey, that's a really cool card. You know, and it's it's interesting how different magic was <laughs> 20, 20 years ago, you know, as yeah. opposed to where the game is today and how it's how it's played so differently now because of the different things that they've introduced. But so my, my honorable mention goes to Time Elemental because it's one of my fondest memories. It's it's one of the first rares. Yes, it was a rare in fourth edition uh, <laughs> that that I opened and I. I had to put it on here just to give it a little bit of a shout out. So Time Elemental, it's a 0-2 Elemental for two generic and one blue. And for two generic and two blue, you can tap it and then return target permanent to owner's hand. So that's huge because you don't have to sacrifice it or do anything. It's, it's, it's cost intensive. I mean, it costs four land to do, but you can bounce any permanent to owner's hand. So it's not target non-land or target non-creature or non-artifact you know whatever it's it's return target permanent to owner's hand which is awesome however there is a caveat to that you cannot use this ability on permanents with enchantment cards played on them so if your permanents already enchanted well can't can't target that one and then also interesting is the second part of the card here where it says if time elemental blocks or attacks destroy it at end of combat in this case time elemental deals five damage to its controller so this is a thing where you have it out there and it's you just want to use it for bouncing unless you're in trouble because you're going to take five damage if you throw it in front of something and block with it unless you can redirect that damage. It's uh, it's coming at you. So I just it's a card that I think the art is really cool. It's it's a utility card if you've got the land for it. So, you know, maybe now obviously it's not played anymore, but, you know, maybe in in some sort of weird commander if you're trying to go all nostalgic on it uh you could have the mana regularly to to try and use it for something if you've got enough ramp but it just you know it's that card that brings me back to when i started playing the very first pack of you know starter deck of magic that i ever bought so it 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 makes me happy that's why it's on the list it's not a game breaker but it's it's my feel-good card because it is one of the earliest memories of magic that that i have and that was a long ass time ago (laughs) you uh Um, you reminded me of a card so i'll throw out a quick honorable mention here do it um you started uh you made me uh start to think about gomazoa oh yeah Right? Uh, there you go. Zero three jellyfish for two and a blue. It yep. came from uh, 
one of the Eldrazi sets, one of the Zendikar, oh, the original Zendikar set. Zendikar, yeah. Uh, zero three defender flying, and then you can tap it and put Gomazoa and each creature it's blocking on top of their owner's libraries, and then those players shuffle their libraries. Uh, and I was a huge fan of that card when that's it first came. Awesome out. card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Just throw it out there. I like. I Gomazoa. like it. Yeah, good one. Good honorable I like the mention on there too. Scary yeah, rock too. jellyfish. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I really like that not only does it send the, the cards back to the top of your library, but then you have to shuffle too. Yes. I just think that, I just think that makes it even cooler. I, I really like that. So yeah, that's a good card. I didn't even think of that when we were, when I was making my list. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll jump into my, my actual list of five here and Wait. there's going to be a nice big eye roll and oh my God, of course he put this on here, but my number, my n- number one, this isn't in any particular order, but the first card I thought of when I thought of, all right, what is blue to me and what do I want to make on this list? I put Counterspell. Oh, my <laughs> two- God. <laughs> See, there it is. Told you. I told you, <laughs> Internet. Uh, two blue. It's an instant and counter target spell. So I I mean, it, it's kind of one of the quintessential, if not the quintessential blue cards in in magic throughout the history of magic i love the original art where it's kind it's the the spellcaster and the goofy collared elizabethan-esque you know suit if you will i don't know and he just has that look on his face like oh well this tiny little spark of magic is like falling out of his fingers it's just like it's like the most sad thing you've ever seen but yeah no counterspell it's it's a card that you use in any format when it's reprinted for standard you use it and you use it in edh use it in modern legacy vintage i mean it's a it's a strong strong card it's a fantastic mm-hmm. card and it's one that just rings blue for me for so many reasons so it short and sweet man counterspell that's on my list yeah uh since uh i assume we're jumping to me now yeah Okay, so uh, since we're not going in any particular order and you brought up Counterspell, I've decided to talk about this card first. Uh, There are no Counterspells on my list, uh, but this card is Counter Adjacent. And the first card I will talk about is Venser Shaper Savant. That's a great card. Venser Shaper Savant is a 2-2 human wizard for 2 and 2 blue. uh, Legendary creature. Uh, Venser has Flash, so you can play it uh, anytime you can play an instant. And it says, when Venser Shaper's Avant comes into play, return target spell or permanent to its owner's hand. Um, here's why I like this card. One of the early picks on my list uh, was going to be Manowar, uh, which is a creature that bounces another creature when it enters the battlefield. You and your jellyfish, and- man. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then another early contender on this on this list that I had was going to be Narset's Reversal, uh, which is a new card from War of the Spark, uh, which will return a spell uh, uh, to its owner's hand from directly off the stack. And I really like that ability. And then when I started thinking about it, I realized Venser Shaper's Avant actually does both of those things. So you can you can flash Inventor to bounce a creature, but what's also really cool is you can return a spell to its owner's hand. It takes it directly off the stack, which is an effect that you don't see often and just puts the card right back in the person's hand. And since the spell is removed from the stack, it will not resolve. So uh, whatever mana they spent to cast it, they're still out that mana. They just don't get the effect for it. And that's a that's a deceptively powerful effect. Because this gets around things that can't be countered. 
So yeah, your Galta, uh, not Galta, but your uh, Carnage Tyrants, especially. You know, I'm thinking like right yeah. now, what's in standard Carnage Tyrant? Obviously, we're talking about Carnage Tyrant on the stack, not Carnage Sorry. Tyrant when it's on the battlefield. Right. No, it's it's an important distinction. Yes. Um, I lost my train of thought because now I started thinking about stupid people on Facebook who get mad when I get nitpicky with words. I'm sorry, words but magic is a game people. of semantics. I mean, people Mant- get... Magic is a game of semantics. You know, sorry. I don't want to... Yes. Sorry. <laughs> back to blue. <laughs> um, back to blue. Uh, the, the, the point is, Venser does a lot of things uh, in one small package, which is why I really like Venser. Well, um, and... I was going to use... I was going to use Mana War because it, uh, it's the effect that I like and not necessarily the creature itself, but Venser bounces a permanent, Venser bounces a spell, Venser, uh, Venser's very good. Um, and that is the end of my Venser talk. Well, Venser is, he's Narciss Reversal with a body for one more mana. Kind of. One more generic mana. I mean, you uh, know. Uh, two more. Venser costs two and two blue. I thought Narset was one and two blue. Narciss no, Narciss is just two blue. Oh, is it just two blue? Okay, yeah. my bad. So it is two more. Um, okay, but still, I mean, a, a, a body at instant speed that you said, like you said, allows you to manipulate the stack before anything resolves is is pretty cool. It is. It's very cool. I think that's a. I think that's a really good pick. So the next one on my list, you know, as everyone who listens to this podcast well knows, uh, the three of us are very big into EDH. We all love to play EDH, and so a lot of my cards are going to have kind of that EDH, you know, they're going to be playable and and useful in EDH. The next card on my list, Cyclonic Rift. I love this card a lot. It is an instant for one generic and one blue, and it allows you to return target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. Then it has Overload, uh, which for six and a blue, you may cast the spell for its overload cost. If you do, change its text by replacing all instances of target with each. So if you have the land and you pay seven instead of two, then you get to completely wipe all of the non-land permanents you don't control to their owner's hands, which is awesome that is game changing uh, if you've got the mana open so if you're playing with a blue player and they're sitting there with seven mana open uh watch out or even i mean you even have to kind of consider that as you're playing the game you know from the get-go like does somebody have a rift because you don't want to completely build out your board state and then not have enough land to replay it and then have to discard half the crap that you've had out on your board already Um, exactly it's a uh, the the card is the card is good for a ton of reasons. It's it's saved my ass more than a few times. I love I love playing with it. I love watching it when other people play with it. If I'm watching something like game nights or uh, Commander versus or any of the other things that I watch on, on YouTube where people play Commander, uh, Cyclonic Rift is just such a good 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 card. First printed in Return to Ravnica, I believe. Yes, um, and it's just. It's awesome. I have a couple copies of the original. I don't think I have... God, what was it in? Eternal Masters or something like that? It was printed in a master set, I believe. I don't have any copies of it from there. I just have a couple from from Return to Ravnica. But that is a card that I will always keep at least one copy of because it will always go somewhere in an EDH deck where I'm where I'm playing blue. I just think it's it's that good. It's it's that good of a, a board wipe. And, and it's awesome. So yeah, second card on my list, Cyclonic Rift. What about you? printed uh, three times. Really? What else? Return to Ravnica, Commander 2014, and Modern Masters 2017. Ah, that's it. The Commander yes. set. Yes. 
Uh, and still, despite three printings, $20. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Cyclonic Rift is a fantastic card. Yeah, um, I really like it. Surprisingly enough, I wasn't even in consideration for my list, which is which is okay. Uh, that doesn't mean it's a bad card or that I dislike it or anything. It's just when I think blue, the first thing I think about isn't Cyclonic Rift. Sure. And a lot of people are probably happy hearing that. <laughs> that is That is true. Which, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, some of the stuff that you've got on your list are cards that when you guys said it, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't think of that on my list. You know, so it, it's always fun to hear what other people's ideas are because maybe it's not exactly your train of thought. And like you said, it's not because you don't like it or it's a bad card. It's just, it didn't come to your mind first. So, right. you know, everybody's thought process is different. So it's it's fun to hear what other people think. Yeah. I will go along with the EDH train here. Uh, my next card is a card that I want in every single blue EDH deck that I play. Uh, it currently is only uh, not in one blue EDH deck that I have, but I found a decent substitute for it. Uh, and that is Leyline of Anticipation. Oh, that's a great card. This is a this is an enchantment for two and two blue. Uh, if Leyline of Anticipation is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. You may cast non-land cards as though they had flash. Uh, this card is great. This, uh, in my opinion, this 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 embodies what Blue wants to do. Yep. Blue always wants to take their opponents by surprise. Blue always wants to react to everything. It's it's as a as a Blue player. It's 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 more fun uh, and also more strategically sound to play a card in response to something that somebody else is doing. And Leyline of Anticipation allows me to respond to things people are doing with creatures, or more importantly, with sorceries. Leyline, like, there's nothing, there's nothing that's more fun than 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 a in, instant speed damnation. Which I've done a few times, and 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 just the look on people's faces when they realize that they're gonna uh, swing out with their giant board of, of creatures because uh, what's the blue player going to do? Nothing. <laughs> oh, damnation at instant speed. <laughs> yeah, I I love that card. I still have. I, I couldn't believe it, but I still have a complete set of the original ley lines from uh, the 2011 core set. So. Uh, I have one copy of each left, and I I will hang on to each of them because I I like them all. I think what uh, b- the black and the white ones are the ones that are worth the most money, but this one is super super useful. This um, one's also twenty dollars still. Is it really? Yes. Holy crap! I thought it was like seven. Wow. No. Awesome. If it was seven, if it was seven, I'd pick one up. <laughs> if it was for, seven, I'd pick up a playset. <laughs> yeah. Um, no kidding. As long as we're on the subject, uh, I, I like I said, I, I, I want a Leyline of Anticipation in every blue deck that I play. The one deck that it's not in is my Niv-Mizzet deck, um, <laughs> but I've substituted that with uh, uh, Hypersonic Dragon. Oh, there you go. Which is a creature that gives sorcery spells I control Flash, uh, and Niv-Mizzet doesn't do a whole lot with creatures. It's only... Mo- 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 mostly instants and sorceries so that's a decent substitute in a blue red deck yeah yeah it is and he was speaking of um you know return to ravnica wasn't hypersonic dragon first 
printed in Return to Ravnica too. Yes. Uh, yes. He yes, he was. Awesome. Huh, look at that. Interesting. The more you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the next one on my list. Uh, or sorry, are you done? I don't want to yes, cut you off if you're not. Okay. Next one on my list is another pretty popular blue spell. It's Brainstorm. So uh, this is an instant for one blue land. Draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. So this allows you to kind of what I was talking about before, manipulate your deck, manipulate your hand. It's kind of that the intelligence and um, scheming, if you will, uh, aspect of blue. So one thing that I, I, I think Brainstorm, and again, this is this would go really well into one of the discussions where you explain it so well, where a lot of times people look at a card and are like, oh my God, this is so good. But it's it's good in the right um, situation, but sometimes it forces people to hang on to it in hopes that they're going to draw into that situation. Yes. So what I'm thinking of specifically for Brainstorm is it's great if you're playing in a deck that's got a lot of miracle cards. Like say you've got say you've got a terminus in your in your hand and you know it's an, an opening hand or something like that, but you've got a brainstorm. Well, guess what? Now I can put that onto the top of my deck, make it be the first card I draw on my next turn, and then boom, now instead of six land, I can pay terminus for one. You know, one one planes, and then I can take all the creatures uh, and all creatures in play and put them on the bottom of everybody's library. So you know, things like that. But again, if you're playing Brainstorm just <laughs> just to hope that you're going to be able to miracle off of it, you know, not a really good way to do it. But I, I like it because it allows you to kind of recycle uh, stuff in your hand and kind of stack your deck in your favor. So it's not going to it's not going to hit every time, but it does allow you to draw, you know, draw three cards, add them to your hand see what you can do with them and then take two that maybe don't work so well right now and put them on on top of your deck for later so i, I like brainstorm a lot but it's one of those cards where i think it's it could be really easy to get tripped up into when is the right time to use it how do i use it um you know it, it, it's a card that you, you really have to know your deck inside and out in order to play effectively yeah but i like it i think it's a fun card and i think it really is a good card it really speaks to what blue is and what blue is trying to do. You know, like you were saying, card advantage is a huge part of magic. And this is just another way to try and gain that advantage over your opponent. Not only are you yeah. drawing extra cards, but you're able to manipulate the top of your deck. So it's, it's pretty good. So that's the, uh, that's number three on my list. Again, in no particular order, just the third one I picked, uh, brainstorm. Yeah. My next card uh, is going to be one of the uh, first cards that I've uh, that I ever had the experience playing with. Uh, that is Muldrifter. That's such a great card. Yes, Muldrifter uh, from Lorwyn, which is the set that I began playing in, uh, is a two-two elemental creature for four and a blue. That's a very high cost for a creature, just a two-two creature. So obviously, it does more. It has flying which still is way too expensive for for a flyer. <laughs> um, when it comes into play, you draw two cards. That's very good in and of itself. Almost worth five mana. Uh, but really, what really puts this card over the edge is it has Evoke. So Evoke was a mechanic from Lorwyn where it was an alternate casting cost. Uh, if you play the spell for its Evoke cost, you sacrifice it when it comes into play. 
It took me a long time to figure out exactly how that worked, but basically uh, you're taking this 2-2 creature uh, instead of paying 5 mana for it and drawing 2 cards and getting a 2-2 flyer out of the deal, you pay 3 mana uh, to get a creature you have to sacrifice what right away, but you still draw 2 cards off it. It's a divination. Which is which was a uh, mind blowing when I when I realized that uh, divination is just a sorcery for two and a blue to draw two cards, whereas Muldrifter is a creature for two and a two or two and a blue draw two cards and then sacrifice the creature immediately. The fact that Muldrifter is a creature means there are a lot of different things you can do with it. You can respond to that evoke cost. I could, in theory, uh, pay the evoked cost for Muldrifter, put it on the battlefield. When I have to go to sacrifice it, I can, in response to the sacrifice, flash in Venser, Shaper, Savant, and return the Muldrifter to my hand, still drawing the two cards. So for only seven mana, I can draw two cards. <laughs> and actually still get stuck with a 2-2 body that doesn't fly anymore. So that's maybe not the most efficient play. But nevertheless, there are still tons of different tricks you can do with a Muldrifter uh, in like a rune deck or with, uh, 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 what's it called? Deadeye Navigator. Uh, what's Deadeye Navigator again? I'm thinking Timestream Navigator the, right now. What does Deadeye do again? Uh, Deadeye Navigator is the creature with Soul Bond. Ah, that's and it. And then both creatures get a flicker effect. Yep, that's uh, the one. Deadeye Navigator is a card that a lot of people hate because they think it's impossible to get rid of, and it's not. You just need to know timing and, and whatnot. Um, that I Navigator should have been on my list, too, now that I'm thinking about it. But <laughs> once again, Nelson said, think of your five favorite blue cards. I didn't think of Cyclonic Rift or Deadeye Navigator. I'm not that bad of a guy, Internet. <laughs> yeah, lay off Tej, everybody. Come on. <laughs> You're that guy the Internet loves to hate. Anyway... Muldrifter. I, I really um, like Muldrifter. It's a fun card, and it was yeah, it was just reprinted in God, some a cute little uh, fish. Some God, one of the Commander Anthology decks. I forget which one. Anthology uh, two. He was in original. Uh, he was in the original Mimeoplasm or Attraction. Another Commander. He was in Mimeoplasm. Yeah. Mimeoplasm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of Modern Master sets. He's been in a lot of Commander sets actually. Now that I'm looking at it, he's a great Commander card. Yeah. I yep. enjoy the I enjoy the Muldrifter quite a bit. Yeah, awesome. All right, so we are on four now, number four. So the fourth card I have listed on 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 my list here, it's another one that brings me way back. Uh, it, you're not you're not going to see it played probably unless you're playing Vintage or Legacy. Uh, it is Brain Geyser. So for X and two blues, you get to draw X cards or force your opponent to draw X cards. So it's interesting. You can tell how old this card is because it doesn't say target opponent. It literally says or force opponent to draw X cards. So you know you know it's old because back in the day, magic was 1v1 basically all the time. We didn't have those two-headed giants and whatnots and multiplayers and, and all the things back then. But yeah, no, Brain Geyser. So this is a card that I remember when I started playing and I saw the art for this and I was just like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen because it's literally like a human brain splitting in half with this light emanating from it and it just looks really cool but yeah it's also a cool card because it is what blue does so draw draw x cards here pay x it, it's literally 
well, I shouldn't say it's a one for one because it's not. You do have to pay two blue, but then beyond that initial cost, you get to you're literally drawing a card for every mana that you're that you're every every mana you're paying towards that X cost. So it, it's a great way to draw a bunch of cards if you can ramp into it. And if you've got if your strategy is also to make your opponent draw a bunch of cards for whatever reason, you have that option. It, so you can draw or your opponent can draw. And I you know, it's it's great depending on which strategy you want to run. It's a it's a fun card. It's a classic card. It's worth a shitload of money right now if you've got one of the originals like any of those those old cards are, but it's just one that I had to put on here for nostalgia. I've never played with it. I've never owned it, but it's just a card that I remember seeing other people play with, other people have, and and it's a ton of fun. And the art is really cool. It's just like what old magic art is to me. It's just really cool fantasy crazy art. It's it's a brain split in half with a light beam coming out of it. It's it's just cool. So number four on my list goes back to that nostalgia factor. It's Brain Geyser. What do you got, Teach? Yeah. Uh, the number four on my list is Ristic Study. That's a great card. I love Ristic Study. That's a fun common. Um, another $20 card, which <laughs> surprises me. Yep. Because uh, I picked up, I think, three of these at a time once because the vendor only had three available, and I got them for like two bucks a piece, and this nice. was just a couple of years ago. Well, you've seen uh, some good ROI on that. So, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um... So I, I don't pay too much attention to card prices and whatnot, but when we're doing things like this and I'm looking up cards that I like to play, it's it, it amazes me how much they are worth now as opposed to when I got them. Or, I see this every once in a while too, how much they're worth now as opposed to how much they were worth a while ago and I should have gotten rid of it when I had the chance. <laughs> That's always sobering. Well, that's like, uh, I saw somebody somewhere today say, hey, what should I do with my foil copy of Gush now that it got banned? <laughs> and everybody's <laughs> like, sell it, sell it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Rhystic Study is an enchantment. It's two and a blue. Uh, whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may draw a card unless that player pays one. So this card actually does two different things on the surface. Whenever an opponent plays a spell, you can draw a card. That's super strong. Uh, because for every card they get rid of out of their hand, you can get a return on that investment. You can just keep filling your hand back up. What else it does, though, is it gives the opponent the option to pay an additional one for every spell that they cast, in which case you don't get that, uh, you don't get to draw that card, but then they have less mana to do things during their turn. It's a tax either way. Yeah, which is always a, a strong thing to do. Spoiler alert for when we get uh, when we get to doing our color show on white, Smothering Tithe is going to be one of my favorite white cards of all time. Uh, that's the one where whenever they draw a card, uh, you make a treasure unless they pay two. It's just a it's just an awesome card. <laughs> it is. It really is. And if you're running uh, blue not... white, those two on the on the board at the same time are pretty awesome together. Yes. Uh, Rhystic Studies' little brother is, um, uh, 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 what is it? Mi- uh, well, I'm blanking on it. Mystic Remora? Is that it? It's yeah, Southern the little Remora. fish from Ice Age. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, the, the bastard with accumulative upkeep. <laughs> because in Ice Age, everything had accumulative upkeep. <laughs> yes. Kind of does the same thing. It's a champion for one mana. This one's only $2. 
Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, you can draw a card unless that player pays four. So they have more mana to pump in, but this one does have a cumulative upkeep. So at the beginning of, of your upkeep, you have to put an age counter on it and then pay the cumulative upkeep cost for every age counter on it. This one is just one generic mana. So at some point, you're going to start needing your mana for other things. So Mystic Remora will go away. But both of these cards together, I run both of them in a couple blue decks. At the very least, Rhystic Study will always go in a blue deck uh, because it won't uh, it won't go away on its own. Someone's gonna have to waste a card to get rid of it. But yeah, definitely all that uh, all that card draw off of one little thing. If people aren't paying attention, or people don't necessarily think you getting a free card every once in a while is going to be detrimental, this is a good lesson for them to learn. I agree. And I, I, I really like that card. Another one that didn't make my list, but I'm thinking of now uh, that I that I like that's kind of a little bit of a, a tax, if you will, in blue is propaganda, because then people have to yes. pay in order to attack you. So that's another fun little commander, you know, like I said, a little bit of a tax in order to do something. So that's another that's another cool, fun, fun card that usually hovers right around what, seven, eight bucks, something like that, I think, usually for propaganda. But that's an uncommon, I believe. Right. Anyway. Cool. Yeah, no, Rhystic Study, great, great card. Anything else you want to say about it? Nope. Nope. All right. Now, on to the final final card on our list. Mine, again, this is another pretty obvious blue card, but I would be remiss if it wasn't on here. I've got Jace the Mind Sculptor, uh, everybody's Jeez. favorite legendary planeswalker. For two generic and two blue, you get jace the mind sculptor he comes out with uh, three loyalty counters and he's got four abilities the first one to for plus two look at the top card of target player's library you may put that card on the bottom of that player's library so basically what you're doing is getting a free scry on any library for pumping them up to for zero draw three cards then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order so hey look at that he has a free brainstorm built into him which is pretty <laughs> awesome Minus one, return target creature card to its owner's hand. Again, it can be yours, your opponent's, doesn't matter. And his ultimate, minus 12, exile all cards from target player's library. Then that player shuffles their hand into their library. So you can see why this card is always just disgustingly expensive. And the foil version is usually worth, you know, almost double what the what the non-foil version is and it's just it's an awesome card it it works really well he was banned for a while but he's back can't keep chase down and better than ever yeah right exactly and he's got the the fancy new mythic edition of war of the spark printing oh yeah that's right the the fancy new art um i prefer the original jace the mind sculptor art but the the new art's cool it's just i think the original art's better in in my opinion but i also think that this is one of the most versatile and awesome planeswalkers there are but i also think that it's a planeswalker that speaks exactly to what his color is trying to do i think that the as time has passed on i know we talked about this in an earlier episode and i was kind of poo-pooing the new sarah planeswalker but i do think that she speaks a lot to white and after talking talking through my feelings with you, Teej, <laughs> and the podcast that we talked about that on, she's a lot better than I initially thought she was, and she's grown on me. But I think Jace, like I said, really speaks to what Blue is, what Blue's trying to do. He's got a built-in brainstorm for free. You can scry your library or somebody else's. You can bounce creatures. 
And you can mill someone's entire, well, not even mill, you're exiling their entire library and then their li- their hand becomes what they've got left for the rest of the game if you can pull that ultimate yeah. off. He is just, to me, he is every feature of blue built into one card. So he is, he. it's it's rare. He's super freaking, well, act, technically he's mythic, but I just mean it's a, it's a rare card to find. That's why he's worth a lot of money. He's super utility. And he's awesome. So that's my number five, Jace the Mind Sculptor. Uh, take us home, buddy. Uh, my final card is Phyrexian Metamorph. Awesome freaking card. I agree. Uh, this is a zero zero artifact creature shapeshifter for three and a Phyrexian blue mana. Uh, if you What's a Phyrexian mana, Tiege? Yes, Phyrexian mana. <laughs> is a is a special mana symbol it's it's uh there's one for every color obviously it's got the appropriate colored circle on it with the phyrexian symbol on it which is just a circle and a line down the middle of it and that means that you can either pay for the blue phyrexian mana for example you can either pay one regular blue mana or you can pay two life instead so phyrexian metamorph uh is a clone you can have phyrexian metamorph enter the battlefield as a copy of any artifact or creature on the battlefield except it's an artifact in addition to its other types now when i was thinking about the cards that i wanted to include on my list i knew that i wanted to include some sort of clone and the best clone in my opinion is simply phyrexian metamorph uh it can clone a creature uh but then it becomes an artifact creature but it can also control or it can also clone an artifact. This can be a mana rock. This can be a powerful equipment. Uh, uh, this can be any any artifact that's on the battlefield. And one of the often overlooked things about this card, I feel like I'm cheating a little bit for the uh, since the, we're talking about blue cards. But you don't actually have to pay any blue mana into this. You can pay three generic mana and then two life. Uh, so you're knocking this down from something costing you four mana to something only costing you three mana. Uh, you can get a Gilded Lotus for three mana. You can get a, a, uh, uh, what's it called? Blightsteel Colossus (laughs) for three mana, uh, and a mere two life. All of these, uh, uh, the, the, the possibilities with Phyrexian Metamorph are nigh endless. Uh, and I say nigh endless because... It can still only copy a creature or an artifact, and if it copies a creature, it is an artifact creature, so it's slightly uh, uh, more fragile in the sense that anything that can kill artifacts can also kill this. And another honorable mention here is Clever Impersonator, which is a clone for two and two blue mana, which can clone any permanent on the battlefield. I forgot about that card. Yeah, so Clever Impersonator can be an enchantment. Clever Impersonator can also be a Planeswalker. So I'm going to... So I like how I said at the beginning of the show that I had no honorable mentions. But then I think I also did say that I had things that I would talk about once we came to other cards. So I guess I'm not a liar. Not even close. But anyway, I like Phyrexian Metamorph better than Clever Impersonator simply because I can pay two life and knock up the mana cost down another one. I feel like uh, not having to rely on that blue mana source makes Phyrexian Metamorph very strong. And like I said, I think I'm cheating the system a little bit by throwing this out there, but Phyrexian Metamorph is a mono blue card. I don't care what anyone says. I don't think it's cheating. I I agree with you. Whether you can pay that 
cost with Phyrexian mana or not. Uh, that's a that's a blue card. Yeah, totally agree. That'd be like uh, um, I mean, saying Jetax uh, and Probe or um, um, Getax and Probe, whatever. Getax however you pronounce it. Yeah, that's another. That's you know, another. Uh, that that would be like saying that's not a blue card because you can pay for that with Phyrexian mana too. Right, I believe. So yeah, no, it's 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 definitely blue. When you when you said that earlier, I was like, man, how many of those do I have? So I had to go look through my new Phyrexia collection, and I still have two Phyrexian Metamorphs. So I was like, ah, look at that, sweet. Yeah, that's a that's a a set that I would love if I had money to burn with no consequences. That is a set that I would go buy a booster box from again because. It was just awesome. I loved the Praetors. And this has nothing to do with blue. This just has everything to do with new Phyrexia. It's one of my favorite sets of all time, if not my favorite set of all time. I just think it was freaking awesome. And there were so many cool cards. Phyrexian Mana was just an awesome idea and you know mechanic that they introduced into the game. And it, it's just, it's awesome. And yes, Phyrexian Metamorph definitely deserves a spot on, on a blue list. I yes, agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, cool. So that was Tej's list and my list. Tej, is there anything else you want to include or say? Uh, no, I think uh, I think we did it. Cool. I think we got there. Awesome. All right, and that's our episode for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to our color spotlight on blue. If you think that we missed anything, definitely drop us a line in the comments here on this episode. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Podbean, Spotify, basically anywhere you consume your podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you get a chance. Make sure you tell a friend to spread the good news and do not drink and scry.